The views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, advertising partners, or ownership of Forever Communications. It's time for the Tri-State Sports Podcast, presented by Jerry Ward Autoplex and the Hawks Nest. Now, here are your hosts, John Thornton and Jordan Taylor. And welcome in. It is the Tri-State Sports Program, presented by Jerry Ward Autoplex and the Hawks Nest for the first time in 2023 on Radio NWTN.com. Later this week on WENK, and as usual, our froggy 99.3 Union City Sports Facebook page. Happy New Year. First time, our first show here in 2023. Myself, John Thornton, and Jordan Taylor. Thrilled to be back with you this year. We're joined our first guest this year in the calendar year 2023, West Tennessee sports broadcaster Chase Prescott at CPrescott15 on Twitter. Chase, great to have you back once again, my friend. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Ready to dig into it. Yeah, plenty to talk about in the world of football. Uh, which it's still kind of, you know, I told Jordan earlier in the week when we were getting ready for the show, we've still got a lot of football going on that we got to talk about. Is the college football season wrapped up last night um, or, or did it? Do we even want to call that a football <laughs> game because that was illegal? Um, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. We've got basketball to get into. We've got plenty of NFL as the playoffs will start this weekend in the NFL. And so we will get into plenty of that. But first, we'll start with our local headlines before we get into those. I want to remind you that you can reach me at John underscore MT on Twitter. You can reach or MT18, that is. You can reach Jordan at JT underscore 1823. You can tweet us on the Froggy handle at NWTN underscore Froggy. You can text us on our text line at 731-885-9999. And again, Chase's uh, handle on Twitter is at CPrescott15. As we always do, want to update you on the local high school basketball scene here in Obion and Weekly County, as well as several teams, boys and girls, that are in the West Tennessee area ranked in the AP Top 10. We'll get some reaction to that here in just a second. Union City's boys and girls both struggling so far this season. The girls at 5-12, and 12, the boys at 4-13. and 13. Westview's girls are rolling, which is no surprise to say the least, 16-0, but the boys under first-year head coach Willie Trevathan Struggling a little bit at four and twelve at Dresden, the girls rolling along at thirteen and four. The boys three and nine. O'Brien Central's girls eight and nine. The boys fifteen and two, having a really good year over in Troy. South Fulton's girls ten and four. The boys four and seven. Gleason's girls ten and five. The boys one and fourteen. In Greenfield, been an up and down campaign for both programs. Girls six and ten. The boys are seven and eight. And girls. AP poll action. The McKenzie girls, number five in the single-A poll. Dresden, number seven. Girls, double-A. Westview, number one. Huntington, number four. Gibson County, number six. Girls, 3A. Jackson Southside, number one. Crockett County, number nine. And TCA, number five. Guys, any reaction to those polls or any of the local basketball uh, records from there? I I did joke with uh, John Hattler yesterday when he he forwarded over the – the rankings to us, and I told him, I said, I, I think they got it right in 3A in girls' action, at least for now. <laughs> he said, he, he reminded me that it is a tie, and he said there's no reason uh, that, that Southside should be in that one spot until they're able uh, to obviously overcome the Lady Bees, who have been kind of a thorn in their side. And it's the, the only team, fun fact here, it's the only team that Coach Brett McNeil has coached multiple times against and not ever beat. So that's something wow. that you can Keep in your mind uh, moving forward as we get close to the state tournament. But, uh, but yeah, I joked about that. It, it's been a fun year in high school hoops. Uh, another team that I've obviously been keeping my eye on a little bit just because, obviously, 
Carrie went to school there is Crockett County, their boys program, who's having a, a really, really good year this year as well. That was something that kind of jumped out and shocked me a little bit. I don't think that was expected. Chase, anything stick out to you? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's any surprise, like you said at all, to see Westview's, you know, girls having another dominant campaign. They they seem to do that year in and year out. But man, all this football is still wrapping up. I'm I'm still trying to get my wrap my mind wrapped around all that before we start digging into that. So I know I know it's gonna be an exciting few months of basketball for sure. Well, on this girls these girls polls, obviously a lot of familiar faces. McKenzie and Dresden state tournament teams a year ago. Westview Gibson County also. Jackson Southside was one. TCA and the girls was one. But a team in here that I got to watch firsthand on Friday night and is Huntington. And, and that girls team, you know, they brought literally everyone back from last year's team. They are – they. I mean, when you want to talk about pressure, they are in your shorts 94 feet. They are going – I mean, and, and I would still today probably pencil in Westview to win the district. I mean, I, you know, it's hard to pick against the reigning state champions, but – it, it would not shock me if Huntington challenged them. I mean, right now, I would probably pencil Huntington above Gibson County, which is saying yeah, something as good as Gibson County. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, you look at Huntington, how bad they've beaten people, and I got to watch one firsthand Friday night. Uh, the Huntington girls are are, are going to be red hot, and watch out for them to make a run to, to the glass house in, in Murfreesboro because <laughs> they're really, really good. Um, boys side, you mentioned Crockett County, Jordan. They are number four in the 3A poll alongside Haywood at number two, Fayetteware number eight, and Obine County at number 10. Milan number three in the 2A poll, Middleton number one, and boys 1A in McKenzie number seven. Anything from the boys side we want to touch on? Uh, you know, I think that obviously there's there's some good boys teams in the area. Um, I mean, Obine Central being 15 and two. I mean, that's uh, – that's yeah. pretty stout. That's that's a pretty stout record. I know you hit on that earlier in, as we started the show, um, but that's pretty impressive by them, especially for a local team um, to have that kind of record. I mean, you won 15 of your 17 games so far, so uh, excited to see what, what they'll do down the stretch. Absolutely. Chase? Yep. I've, I've been impressed with the consistency that Milan has shown the last couple of years, yes. you know, not known as a basketball program, but, you know, popping up in the rankings there, number three. So it really turned yeah, it on. Be. You know, we, we, and we're going to get to this here in a few minutes, but, you know, we talk a lot about Josh Heupel, the transformation he's taking with the Tennessee uh, football program. But, you know, Coach Jason James showed up down there at Milan, and like you said, Chase, that, that program not typically known for being highly competitive in, in boys' basketball. And, I mean, all he does in year one is take him to the state championship game. And, not much, you know, honestly. Yeah, that, you know, that's casual, you know, just a casual year one. Um, and, and now, obviously, like you said, consistently uh, regarded as one of the top 2A boys basketball programs in the state. And, of course, they've got high aspirations of that again. Now, you know, I've seen them. They're not a great offensive team, but you know what? They don't – you know, offense wins games, but defense wins championships. And that team defends and defends and defends. Jordan, you and I are going to get a firsthand look again at that tonight. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited to see them. Uh, obviously, the growth of the program has been a big thing, and that's something I'm excited to see. And um, you know, for Milan, it's not it's not that they haven't had talent or kids come through the school. I mean, them and South Gibson both have had the, their fair share of talent in the Gibson County area. Uh, but for Milan, it's just been being consistent, keeping – and this is all sports, really, keeping coaches in there that can build a program. And I think they found one, at least, for, for uh, boys' hoops, at least. Certainly seems like they have turned a corner in that regard. 
But as we said, we move on. Tennessee football has had a lot of headlines the last couple of weeks, and we'll start with their Orange Bowl victory to wrap up the 2022 season, which was almost feels like a dream to us Tennessee fans. 11-2 and two for the first time since 2001. They knock off Clemson 31-14 to 14 in the Capital One Orange Bowl. And, you know, Josh Heupel mentioned it, and I had to kind of think about it to rack my brain because I didn't even think about it. But he's right. Tennessee beat three of the last four national champions this year in Clemson, LSU, and Alabama, which is quite impressive. You know, we wondered what we would get out of Joe Milton with Hendon Hooker obviously being out. And Hooker, I mean – it felt like every touchdown pass was better than the last. I mean, 19 to 28, 251 yards, three touchdowns. The defense for Tennessee played outstanding. Uh, all over Cade Klubnick all night. They allowed just 14 points in the eight quarters since the South Carolina disaster. Clemson missing three field goals. And, you know, this was kind of a glimpse into the 2023 outlook for Tennessee. And if that's what it's going to look like, I don't think there's going to be much of a step back next year, fellas. Yeah, sign me up for sure. I mean, I, yes. I was uh, I was happy with it. It was a great performance. Uh, obviously, a lot of people want to talk about the offense, uh, but the main thing I really wanted to hit on was the defense. I know the offense can score. We know that. And I think, you know, we don't want to take that for granted based off the, the years we've been through in the past with them. But um, the defense is, was, was the story. The way they showed up, the way they played. Uh, especially Beasley. I mean, he was he was massive for that defense. And um, you know, moving forward, I think there's a lot to build on. I think this says a lot uh, about where the program's headed. Uh, flipping the page to the, obviously this fall in 2023. Uh, but another thing, guys, is is losing that one that um, ball game last year the way they did. I think that that was a it made for a different approach for Heupel this year, uh, especially with it being such a big bowl game, being a New Year's Six bowl game. Um, but losing that game the way they did, I think I think he wanted to go ahead and get him a bowl win. He's done a lot yes. of Tennessee already, and um, I just for some reason I just feel like that had a lot to do with the preparation moving forward to the Orange Bowl. Chase, yeah, they they definitely came in. You know, they looked the better prepared team. Um, Joe Milton stepped into the spotlight. He he didn't you know didn't overthrow too many people in the game. No, so I was I was fairly impressed with his accuracy, and you know if that can. If that can stay the course next year, I think we'll uh, we'll be right there in contention. Well, and again, you know, like Jordan said, everybody wants to talk about the offense, but, you know, you mentioned Aaron Beasley. He had an outstanding game. And if you're not going to give the MVP to Joe Milton, Aaron Beasley would have been number two easily. Yeah. Um, and it makes you feel really good about that spot next year because, you know, you lose Jeremy Banks and Juwan Mitchell just hit the transfer portal the other day. So now, you know, Aaron Beasley is going to be your go-to guy but a linebacker next year and, you know, he continues to get better yeah. and better. But, you know, we've talked about the overthrows, Chase, with Joe Milton at, at, at nauseum. But, I mean, you saw the arm talent on display. The touchdown to Brew McCoy. or, or Yeah, Brew McCoy. The touchdown to Squirrel White. And then he just dropped one in for Keaton. And the thing that I pointed out, I was telling people about the last one to Keaton. To me, a year ago, Joe Milton overthrows that. And that's a case in point of a throw. You don't have to throw it 100 miles an hour or throw it out of the back of the end zone. Keaton's beating this guy by, by 10 yards. Just get it to him. Yeah. He doesn't, you know, just put, him, put it on him and let him get in. And that's all he had to do, and he did it. And, and I mean, tremendous performance by Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. yeah one, one, of the, one of the best Tennessee games I think I've ever been in attendance for. Uh, a really cool stadium, and it helped that it was 80 degrees, on, uh, obviously, <laughs> in December. I uh, really enjoyed that part of it. 
Um, now, if you ever go to a game there, just just a PSA. Be sure you have a line, a ride lined up before you uh, before you get the game over with. Because if not, you have to walk about a mile and a half, two miles to even find a ride. Um, so that, that was definitely. It's literally in the middle of nowhere beside a Walmart, and that's all that's close. <laughs> the stations. There's no. I mean, the roads don't. The roads end before it gets to the stadium. I mean, it's it's really crazy how how it's set up. But it was a uh, it was a really really cool cool game to be at and experience that obviously as a Tennessee fan, I haven't ever got to experience. This is the best year since I can remember watching Tennessee football. Yes. Um, so it's, it's one that I'll keep right up there with the, obviously the, the Hail Mary game that John and I attended uh, breaking the streak with Florida in 2016 is up there as well. But, um, and then I don't even want to talk about that Oklahoma game with Baker Mayfield. That's one that I want to forget. Um, but it, it, it's been it's been a heck of an experience going to the going to some of these games, experience some of this. But that that Orange Bowl win and what Hypo has been able to do so far, uh, it gets you excited to be a Tennessee fan again, man. Especially in all of the athletics. I mean, they got a lot of good things going on in that athletic department. Yes, and speaking of the continued promise for the football program, three for three yesterday in portal targets. We'll start with the Oregon transfer wide receiver Dante Thornton. And, and something, you know, I, I've been wondering, and, and it, this was a conversation I had with a friend over the weekend, you know, most of the time with Josh Heupel's wide receiver rotation the past two seasons, you've had kind of three primary guys and then kind of one rotator, you know, that might play about 10% of the snaps. So, I mean, of course, this year, you you know, in a perfect world, it would have been Hyatt, Tillman, and McCoy. And then obviously Tillman goes down, misses most of the year. So then it's Keaton. Hyatt and McCoy with Squirrel White kind of dabbled in here and there. Well, now, you know, we, we kind of saw the bowl game, and it was obviously Squirrel, Keaton, and McCoy, who we kind of expected to be the three going into next year. Now you add this Dante Thornton in the mix. Um, does Josh Heupel expand the rotation? Is one of those three going to get bumped? I mean, I would think McCoy's got it locked in, but, I mean, do you bump Keaton or, or White? I mean, how does, I mean, what do you guys think? How, how does Josh Heupel incorporate Dante Thornton into this receiving room now i mean i think brew mccoy and keaton are your outside threats i think as far as the inside receivers go you're going to see squirrel you're probably going to see thornton both of those guys are kind of speed your speed guys um but keaton that what people don't talk about with ramel keaton he's played a lot of college football number one but number two he's a really really good route runner um i mean i think that that's and he's sure-handed i mean he catches everything that comes his way um i think that's something that kind of goes um you know, without without people talking about it. People don't talk about it as much. Um, I don't think it's a bad problem to have, to have to figure out, to sit here on a podcast and go, man, what's he going to do? we got too many guys. I think he loves that. I think it's a, think it's a great thing. It's a good thing for competition. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if this, this Thornton guy, just based off of his resume, uh, how he came in as a high school player, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he may be the, the third behind McCoy and Keaton. We still kind of dabble in squirrel where we can. And I, I think you're going to see some of squirrel out of the backfield next year as well. Hmm. Chase, what do you think? Any any other thoughts? Yeah, I don't like like Jordan said, I don't think it's a bad thing to have too many weapons, no. you know, especially as fast as that offense goes. You know, you can never have too much depth. So I like it. I like it a lot. Speaking of that, he added D-line commit, in the, a D-line commit as well in Arizona State's Omar Norman Lott and – Miami offensive tackle John Campbell. So obviously you had another line, a body on the line yet on both lines, and obviously a lot of promise going into 2023 as they continue to load up another big recruiting class coming in. Um, yeah. Next year shaping up to be really good for Tennessee. No, no yeah, question. And they're, obviously they're they're uh, looking for a replacement for Darnell Wright, who will be 
probably guys yeah. a, a top 15 draft pick, top 10, 15 draft pick. I mean, the year he had, uh, unless he just freaking has an awful combine, everybody's rating him at 10 or 15. A lot of teams up high need uh, offensive linemen, <coughs> Titans. Um, and, you know, so we'll see We'll see what they decide to do. So uh, I'm, I'm excited for Darnell Wright, but this transfer coming in, in which all three of these transfers guys have two years of eligibility left. So that's big for the yeah. balls as well. So um, excited to see what they do. And, and Heupel, for a guy that they say can't recruit, he, he recruits pretty well, especially out of that yeah. portal. Indeed. Well, since you transitioned there, let's go there next. In the NFL team here in the state, the Titans wrap up a seven-game losing streak to end the season after a 7-3 and three start. They lose the AFC South to the Jacksonville Jaguars 20-16 to in primetime on Saturday night. So now the Titans enter the offseason with, with the number 11 pick in the NFL draft. Obviously, you know, I, I follow a lot of Titans Twitter world because I live in this state and follow a lot of ball accounts. You guys are both Titans fans, so take it away. What does the offseason look like, and how do you lose seven straight to, to choke away this season? Well, I, think it says, I think it says a lot about the division. you got two teams that finished the year on seven-game losing streaks, the Indianapolis yes. Colts and the Tennessee Titans. I mean, it's one of the worst, I mean, divisions in football it was all season long. Uh, but if you look at, at what the Titans have had to deal with this year, it's kind of kind of expected. Uh, but is it is it should it happen? Absolutely not. This is two years in a row they've been the most injured team in football. Um, they, I mean, they guys are banged up throughout the entire year. Uh, something's got to be fixed about that, and we also got to figure out how to be faster offensively. And that's something Brable talked about yesterday as they're cleaning out their lockers. Um, was the fact that our offense is in slow motion compared to everybody else's across the league. Um, so that's they're going to have to figure out a lot of things. I, I was joking yesterday. Uh, the new GM comes in here, and I got I got a note over here. The new GM comes in, and when he does come in, this is what he's got to – not much, honestly. He don't have a lot to do. Oh, he just got to decide what he wants to do with Ryan Tannehill in the future, Derrick Henry, Taylor Lewan, Nate Davis, David Long, Zach Cunningham, Bud Dupree, Robert Woods, Austin Hooper, and Tierra Tart. Plus, he's got a draft uh, at number 11 as well. So this should be a pretty quiet offseason for the Titans. Uh, obviously, he don't have a lot going on. Uh, so we'll see We'll see what he can figure out there as well. But Ryan Stonehouse, guys, to end it on a positive note, I'll, I'll pass it over to Chase on this. Ryan Stonehouse is now the league history. He had the best league, league – uh, or the best punting year in league history for Mr. Ryan Stonehouse, our punter. So that's something to – to keep in, in mind. He's got he's now the record holder, Chase. Good year for the Titans. Hey, yeah, and before Chase, all. before you take over, Chase, I have a suggestion for, for Tennessee at number eleven. Uh Will Levis might be available. I mean Yeah. Might, yeah, we might, need to add a fourth quarterback. We already have three. Will Levis. You, might, he, he'll you, might well, you might as well add a fourth. You know, we got Tannehill, Willis, Dobbs, and might as well throw Levis in there. Uh, Chase, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean Number one question mark: What are we doing with Ryan Tannehill? Is he coming back next year? Is that is that a guy we're going to build around? Derrick Henry. I mean, you know, number one running back, arguably in the league still. But man, that that old line they they got to build up that line, give him some more, you know, options. I mean, yeah, twenty five to thirty carries a game. That's that's going to wear down year in and year out. That's that's not going to keep lasting. So, got to get a weapon at receivers. Got to do something. I don't think Robert Woods and Traylon Burks are really, you know, star NFL caliber receivers and 
just got to figure out what we're doing. You know, got rid of Todd Downing, so we'll see how. Hey, man. So you're positive. You got rid of Todd Downing. Got yeah. rid of the O-line coach, you know. Got rid of the secondary coach, which was also yeah. a, a big, yeah. big I don't even think the defense was that bad against the Jaguars. I mean, they no, played a small that, game. So That's where I was going. Game. Yeah. That's where I was going next. As far as the defense is concerned, they were first in the NFL in rushing defense this year to end the season. Yeah. Third on third down, which is a, a pretty good year. The rest of it wasn't too good. 32nd against the pass, which obviously is dead last. Um, but if you look at the offense, I mean, they're they're the best the best they had with their 13th in the NFL in rushing. The rest of it, offense was 30th overall, points was 28th overall, um, passing was 30th overall as well. I mean, there's a there's a lot they got to figure out offensively, and I think it starts at the quarterback position. But before that, honestly, I think it starts at at the offensive line. They got to figure out. Uh, who they can trust to, to protect the quarterback because until you protect the quarterback, you're not going to have a lot uh, go on that's, that's successful. But they're playing complete backups throughout the entire year up front. So they got to figure out a way to to obviously make some things happen on the offensive line. I think it starts in the draft. Yes, we'll see what the Titans offseason holds. And it should be a quiet one in Nashville. I do think Burks can be decent, though. I'm not, I'm not out on Burks at receiver. I just think they need to get him some help around him as well. See what they can do. In local basketball, the Memphis Grizzlies now again take the lead for the number one seed in the West after a win over Jordan's Spurs last night. What I wanted quick question for you guys. I know you probably haven't been paying attention to the NBA as much, but what has been going on with these outbursts of scoring lately? I mean, you had a 71-point game from Donovan Mitchell, 60 from Luka, and then 50-plus type games from Giannis, Booker, Embiid, Clay Thompson. The league went nuts around New Year's. I mean, what in the world, Chase? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a very defensive league anymore. You know, it's, no. it's shoot, shoot, shoot as much as you can and try to score 50 every night. I reckon so. And then you've got number five, Tennessee, now in the AP poll. Tennessee rolling after two massive wins in SEC play. Josiah Jordan-James back in the fold, helping the balls out in that regard. UT Martin basketball down the street. The men currently sitting fourth in the OVC with a two and two conference record, ten and seven overall. The women sit sixth, two and two with a six and nine record. And then today, breaking news after what has been one of the weirdest free agent sagas in MLB or really any sports history, after two physical concerns from the Mets and the Giants, Carlos Correa now set to sign a six-year, two hundred million dollar deal to return to the Minnesota Twins. That is. Certainly a weird story. But then to round out this first segment on a positive note yesterday, DeMar Hamlin, of course, everyone's been keeping tabs on that after the terrifying situation on Monday Night Football just over a week ago. After sitting on pins and needles, really finding out if this guy was going to live, uh, was transferred to a Buffalo hospital, spent about a week in the Cincinnati Trauma Center. So um, good news on that note as well. And, and it sounds like he continues to improve each and every day. And, and you know, guys, I mean, for big football fans, that was about as terrifying as it gets that last Monday night watching what I mean, you almost thought. I mean, you almost wondered at first, did he literally die? Is he dead? I mean, did we just watch a death on national television? I mean, yeah, it, 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 it was scary, man. And technically, I mean, if you want to get technically dead for a minute, yeah. I mean, he was gone for a second. His heart wasn't beating, but um, thank the Lord that they were able to to bring him back and that he's back yes. home in Buffalo now. And, um, very scary to watch. Very, very – I mean, that, I don't really know what else to say about it because it was just yeah. it was so scary. I didn't really yeah. have any words either. But at least it seems like things are, have t- taken a positive turn for him. And 
We'll obviously kind of take take on another chapter of that saga as we get into the NFL segment later in the show. But we'll take a break. When we come back, take a look at some of the other bowl games in college football as well as some transfer portal news when we come back. Stay tuned. More coming right after this on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by Jerry Ward Autoplex and the Hawksnet. For your next car or truck, come see Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Jerry Ward and his all-star team have a lot filled with pre-owned small, mid-sized, and full-size cars, SUVs, and nice trucks, too. And if they don't have the right size, they'll find it for you. No matter what you're looking for, score your next ride at Jerry Ward Autoplex, Real Foot Avenue in Union City, or online at jerrywardautoplex.com. Like Jerry always says, don't drink it, drive it. Be a winner with Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Segment two on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. Obviously, we're going to talk all things college football playoff and the national championship game. We'll do that in the next segment. But for now, wanted to touch on some of the other bowl games from bowl season, which was really fun. Uh, you had a lot of crazy games. We'll start with the Cotton Bowl, one of the last ones as Tulane, you know, kind of ruled out by a lot of people playing USC in the Cotton Bowl. They come back from 14 down twice and 15 with four minutes to go, and they score the winning touchdown in the final seconds to beat USC 46-45. to Any thoughts on this bowl game? I mean, it, it, that was that was a fun game. I mean, I was, I was pulling for Tulane hard. I thought that um, – obviously, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I was one of those, those people that thought they didn't have much of a chance. I mean – especially down the stretch of the game. I didn't think they would have a chance maybe early, but um, they kept fighting, man, and they came back and made it a game, and it was a really fun one to watch. Chase? I was surprised, you know, going into that game, Vegas thought it would be very tight. It was only like a two-point spread to USC, and I was like, man, how is USC not going to blow Tulane out? But, you know, they definitely played harder, and, yeah, kudos to them. And then you go to the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, which – to me, if you're going to make an argument for wild, this might have been the wildest of them all this year. Arkansas led 38 to 13 midway through the third quarter. I, I mean, I, I was watching it at a friend's house, and, and we would kind of keep flipping around, going back and forth. And, you know, it was just kind of like, because, you know, at that point, you're thinking it's over. You know, there, there's no way. And, you know, we, we even flipped it back on with about, I don't know, there was about two minutes left, and Kansas had turned it over on downs. They were down 14. And the next thing we know, we flipped it over back, and Kansas had the ball at Arkansas's 30 with about a minute to go down 14. And we're thinking, if they score here all of a sudden, you know, maybe. Interesting, yeah. And then they've got the, they scored and get the onside kick and scored again, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, now Arkansas does win 55-53 in triple overtime, but, I mean, you got to credit Kansas, man. What a, I mean, they could have laid down and, and mailed it in, but. They came back from 25 down and nearly won that game. Incredible game. Yeah, they kept fighting back, and it, it was a fun game to watch. That was a game that I originally was supposed to go to, but I just didn't want to try to make that one, obviously heading out of town right after that. But um, I always enjoy the Liberty Bowl because it's usually teams we don't get to see um, it's in, unless it's Tennessee. But I, I, I hope that we're not in a, in that type of bowl game moving forward. I hope we're in a bigger yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. the, now, now that I've now that I've got the taste of New Year's Six, I'm like, can we can we continue to win games? Yes. Uh, but it, it was a fun game to watch. I mean, it, it really was. And um, shout out to Kansas, like like you said, and both of those teams really did were kind of uh, shorthanded. A lot of guys not playing, and I think that's what speaks volumes about bowl season. Is it's an opportunity for guys that maybe didn't contribute as much to this football season 
uh, it's an opportunity for them to show what they can be and, and who they can be for next season, how they can help the team. Absolutely. Chase, any thoughts on the Liberty Bowl? Yeah, I would say top three game of bowl season. You know, I yeah. really enjoyed that one. And I think the worst part was Arkansas was favored by about three going into that game. So could you oh, imagine wow. betting on Arkansas? So ended up winning by two. Yeah, man, man, that's a bad beat, bad <laughs> beat. Uh, then you have the Cheez-It Bowl. I think a lot of people kind of ruled out Oklahoma in this one and thought Florida State would win big, but this game turned into a really tight game back and forth. Florida State does go on to win, and Oklahoma finishes with a losing record for the first time since 1998. But they, I mean, you can't, you gotta, can't fault them. They competed hard. I, I will say, you know, Jordan <laughs> Travis for Florida State, they look like they could be really, really good next year if if things go well for them. Now, really, really good in the ACC is totally different. But I know Jordan, you, you are you you continue to say they don't have a football program. But I mean, I I do think you have to give some credit to Mike Norvell. It does seem like they've kind of turned something around there. I'd rather them be good than Florida. I'll just leave that out there. Fair enough. But I, I don't I don't I don't know what it is. I can't get behind Florida State, man. I just can't. <laughs> I, guess, I haven't liked them since uh, January of 99. So, there you go. <laughs> Chase? No, I, didn't, I didn't get to see much of this game. I think it was the night of the Titans and Cowboys game. So, didn't get to see much. It I didn't like see any of it then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looked like a really good game, but I do think Oklahoma, I think they'll be back as well. So, I think both programs will be on the rise. You think Brent Venables can turn it around after a bad think, year? You know, he gets a few recruiting classes in there. I think they'll turn it around. Heck, you can only go up. I mean, I yeah. guess they were pretty really? bad. Yeah, it was pretty bad this year in year one. For the quarterback's coming back, correct? Isn't Gabriel? Is it Gabriel? Yeah, I think Gabriel is back next year. Yeah. That'll help. That'll I think help. He's coming back. You had another crazy ending in the Sun Bowl between Pitt and UCLA. Pitt actually came back from a 14-point deficit, took a six-point lead with four-plus minutes to go, and then UCLA now out without Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who, who – uh, who had been hurt early in the game. Their backup, Ethan Garbers, led him down the field for a go-ahead touchdown, but Pitt kicks the game-winning field goal as time expires. That one was wild. And then Notre Dame outguns South Carolina 45-38 in the Gator Bowl as the Irish down 14 early. They come back to take a 38-31 lead, and were marching to go up 14 themselves before a 100-yard pick six by South Carolina kept them alive. But, look, you know, guys, after what South Carolina did to us and how annoying Shane Beamer is, watching them lose to Notre Dame did, did bring a little joy to my heart, I must say. Yeah, it felt weird because I was pulling for Notre Dame. I don't think I've ever done that in my life. Other yes. than when they played Alabama, maybe in the title game. Um, but, yeah, it, it's I'm not a Notre Dame person, but I'm, I've added South Carolina to uh, my short list of teams that – well, I ain't going to say it's short anymore. It's kind of more than five. <laughs> so, my list of teams that I just cannot stand to, to put it out there. Um, so, hopefully, Beamer, the way he acted after – and Chase was at that game. I feel so bad because yeah. he was there. Uh, hopefully, Beamer, after how he acted, um, you know, maybe next year we'll give him a little taste of his own medicine. Yeah, I've got that game circled for next year. I'm definitely going to be in Neyland. Don't go. Don't go, Chase. I'm no, you back. cannot go. I'm going to be back for that one. <laughs> Shane Beaver is certainly uh, creating a name for himself in a bad way in, in, in Knoxville circles. Uh, then you had the Holiday Bowl, a really fun matchup between two good quarterbacks. Bo Nix throwing the game-winning touchdown to outdo Drake May in that one. 
And then across the SEC, some other notables, uh, Bama absolutely crushing Kansas State. I mean, I think everyone kind of saw that one coming once Bryce Young and Will Anderson said they were going to play. Um, you know, that was kind of to be expected. LSU embarrassing uh, Purdue. I don't know why I have Penn State on here, but Purdue, um, that was unexpected. I mean, I, I think LSU could have won the game. I didn't think 63-7 to was coming, but in, indeed oh, it did. That, that hyped them up, man. Good gracious. Yeah. Ten wins for Brian Kelly in year one. Um, have to have to give them some credit there. And then in a game which we knew would be a beautiful disaster, we had 21 total points and 18 punts between Kentucky and Iowa. But the bad thing for Mark Stoops and company, all 21 of the points were scored by Iowa and two of them on pick sixes. So that- How do you lose to Iowa who cannot I score? I mean, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty bad. I think, it's I think it's hilarious, though. Especially Kentucky's on that list as well, if y'all are wondering. I'm not sure. I mean, I guess we'll, we'll have to give them a little bit of a break. You know, Will Levis decided to sit out. So, I mean, they, they didn't Will, have Will, much. Will, I don't think Will Levis makes Will, much of a difference. Yeah, Will Levis. They, they scored one more touchdown than they did in that game when Will Levis played against Tennessee. So, I agree. Just throwing it out there. Ole Miss gets kind of uh, gets beat pretty good by Texas Tech in the Texas Bowl, and then a cool story is Mississippi State defeats Illinois in a win for Mike Leach. So obviously yeah. that was cool to see um, and to see them kind of get one to wrap things up the way the Pirate would have wanted to. And obviously, obviously their Pirate helmets were outstanding. Um, really, really cool. Uh, transfer portal news: several quarterbacks on the move. Wake Forest gets kind of the big jewel is, you know, there have been rumblings about Sam Hartman for a while, and Sam Hartman commits to Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman. And, you know, I kind of thought about this, guys. It's been a while, I think, since Notre Dame has kind of had a quarterback that you would want to get excited about. You know, and I think Sam Hartman kind of fits the bill. He had a great career at Wake Forest. Obviously, you know, Wake Forest isn't a great program, so he never won big there. But, I mean, if you – you know, he's one that I think if you plug him into a program with a lot of resources and a lot of talent, could be really good. So, um, I think that's a big get for Marcus Freeman and oh, yeah. Notre Dame. Yeah, I think I, I think Chase. I don't know about you, but I think I think he's going to do well there. I think it's going to be a good good fit for him. Yep, no, he's he's definitely a good pocket passer and gunslinger. So I wouldn't be surprised if Notre Dame made some rumblings next year. Yeah. Hudson Card from Texas heads to Purdue. Virginia quarterback Brennan Armstrong moving to NC State. And then this one was strange to me. I don't know if we mentioned this before, before we went to Christmas or not, but how much and how much I'm curious from, from you guys if you think this will move the needle for Florida. But Wisconsin quarterback Graham Mertz has transferred to Billy Napier in Florida. And I mean, I don't I don't look at him as a guy that's going to come in there and, and just you know, write it down as the starter immediately. I don't know that he's that good. I mean, so concern for Florida next year? Concern for Florida as long as Billy Napier is the coach and he's called oh. the plays. I mean, I, I don't know that. And this is – look, a lot of Florida fans are saying it, man. He's, he's not um, he's not doing too well uh, drawing up the plays and, and making right decisions. So we'll see what that looks like moving forward. But I love nothing more than a mediocre Florida team. So um, hopefully he doesn't do – Hopefully he doesn't do too well, and and maybe at six and six or seven and five they'll be in the Liberty Bowl next year. <laughs> he he right. definitely reminds me a lot of Butch Jones, so I get a lot oh, of get, sign an extension. It's kind of like yeah. the Colts with Jeff Saturday. Sign an extension. Uh, Keep him on board, man. Champion of life. Board. Champion of life. 
brick by brick down in, in Gainesville. Yes. Are we all so, are we all sold on uh, or are we all not sold on Billy Napier? Is that is that where we're at? I'm not sold on him yet. I don't know that I'm either way, but I, I certainly think he's going to have to take a big step in year two for anyone to really have any confidence that he's the guy going forward. Nine wins? Is that what you're saying? Nine and three? Uh, you know what? Let's do it. Let's go look at their schedule <laughs> next year and see what they've got. And we'll, we'll see. We'll, think, yeah. hey, look, if, if you're taking a step the way you're saying, I think you got to win eight games, eight or nine games. It's let's see what, so they open at Utah, the return trip there. Utah, who brings Cam Rising back, so that's not going to be easy. You get a cupcake with McNeese State. Tennessee comes to town week three. Then you get another cupcake in Charlotte. Uh, At Kentucky, Vanderbilt at home, South Carolina on the road, Georgia Georgia and Jacksonville. That's a lot. Arkansas at home, at LSU, at Missouri, Florida State at home. I heard at least four losses. At least four losses. Yeah, I I mean – to me, I mean, that's pretty rough. When you start, you could start legitimately two and three. I mean, you you could lose to Kentucky, Tennessee, and Utah in the first five weeks. I mean, that that would be. And if if you start two and three, oh boy, uh, man, not going to yeah. be good. Not not going to be good. Not going to be good at all. But let's I mean, take I mean, a break. Right. We'll love it. We'll love it. Oh, we'll, we'll be eating it up. We'll, yeah. we'll eat that up. <laughs> Let's take a break. When we come back, we will look back at the college football playoff in its entirety next on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Wood Autoplex. If you're looking for a place to sit back, relax, and support your favorite sports teams, it's the Hawks Nest Bar and Grill in Martin. Each and every week, they have deals on food and drinks so you can support your favorite teams. On Monday night, cornhole tournament as well, $10 blind draw, sign-ups at 6 o'clock, bags fly at 7, and each and every weekend, you can stop by and take your shot at karaoke with live music as well. The Hawks Nest Bar and Grill is a proud sponsor of the Tri-State Sports Program, and they're located at 105 Church Street in Martin. Segment three on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. Uh, to Jordan's point during the break, I have not actually had a chance to get on there and find out who the winner was because I was waiting for last night and been so busy oh, this yeah. morning. But, uh, have not been able to uh, figure it out, but uh, we'll see. But again, thanks to all of you who picked with us and who picked with the bowl game, and we've got a great prize for our winner once we have that settled. We will put that out on social media and announce it here on the show. But let's take a look at the college football playoff. And, and, you know, it kind of flip-flopped this year, guys. You know, for years and years, I came on whatever platform we were doing, whether it was the bench or this show, and I begged, and I begged the college football gods to give us good semifinal games. And finally, we got two amazing games, and we got a historically bad championship game. Not just bad championship, historically bad. And we'll, we'll get to that here in a few minutes. But let's start with the Fiesta Bowl. Number three, TCU, knocking off number two, Michigan, 51 to 45. And, and guys, I don't know what else you could have asked for. I mean, this was about as entertaining of a game as we've ever seen. Who wants to start? Unpack it. Yeah, I mean, Michigan, they they came into this game. They were definitely talking the talk. Um, you know, J.J. McCarthy, their quarterback, so they're going to punch him in the mouth. And that didn't really happen straight out the gut. You know, I mean, TCU had a few big defensive plays. You know, they, they got a bunch of points early and often. So, 
uh, Michigan wasn't really able to control the game, and TCU really took advantage from the jump. Well, after digesting last night, uh, I think that it tells you it's Georgia, as far as rosters this year, it was Georgia, Ohio State, and everybody else, as far as talent on the field. Yeah. And it was putting everything else together um, was really the difference for Ohio State. They weren't able to, in that big rivalry game against Michigan, they had a bad game. Um, <clears throat> before before we get to what I think was pretty much the national title and, and Georgia and Ohio State, um, we got to talk about this one. And I, it was a fun game. I mean, I think a lot of people, and I mean, I was kind of one of them. I didn't know how TCU would match up against Michigan. Um, it's just a different style of football. I mean, Michigan's a physical football team. Um, and I thought that they would be able to run the ball well against them, which they were able to score points, obviously, both teams were. Uh, but what shocked me was that they were able to hang, what, 51 on on Michigan? I mean, that's pretty impressive. So um, they earned the right to be – two things can be true here. Um, they weren't obviously anywhere close to being as good as Georgia was, but they did earn their right to play in the title game. They bounced back after losing in the in the Big 12 championship, Big 12 championship and they were able to, to knock off Michigan, who has been a top-four team all year long. Um, so they were – they earned their right to be in the game, even though obviously they shouldn't have been in the game talent-wise, if that kind of makes sense. Well, and it was interesting for them, especially in the Fiesta Bowl, because we've talked about TCU all year being the comeback kids, and they're the ones that jump up 21-6, to six, you know, a pick six, and, and then you've got the weird officiating string with the, the pick for Michigan, and then the touchdown, not touchdown, and they fumble at the goal line, and you, know, you have to wonder – how much that plays in, but, you know, then two, another pick six in the second half. I mean, it was a back-and-forth game, and that I think that quarter became one of the highest-scoring quarters in college football history, certainly in the, C, the history of the CFP. Um, that third quarter, just unbelievable. And, you know, but then I, the play that I go back to, and, you know, Michigan had kind of kept clawing their way back, clawing their way back, just finally gets it within three. And it's 41-38, and it's that, you know, third and seven or whatever it was for TCU. And you're thinking if you're Michigan, oh, man, you got all the momentum. You get off the field here. You go down and you take the lead. And then Max Duggan finds Quentin Johnston on that shallow cross. And you – I mean, Michigan, like you said, Jordan, they've been so physical and been known for, for their good defense. How do you let their best receiver go break a couple of tackles and then just outrun you for 76 yards and, and pretty much the game ceiling score, because at that point you're up 10 and, and you know, it's in the fourth quarter now and it was just it's tough on them to come back. Yeah. Now, you know, JJ McCarthy, I thought played well, you know, he kept them in it, made big plays when they had to do it, but you know, the pick sixes loomed large. And then Max Duggan, uh, I didn't think Max Duggan had his best game and certainly not last night, but, he did enough for them to win the game in the, in the semifinal. Yeah, I, th- I think winning period for TCU is is obviously a very successful season. Even getting, like I said, earning their way back to that title game or back to that title game, getting to that title game, guess what I'm trying to say, um, to me, was, I mean, was enough. Before the game even kicked off last night, I think if you're a TCU fan, you're pleased because I think they I think they said last night they were fin- picked to finish seventh in their conference or something yes. like that, which is yes. – um, which is outrageous. I mean, for to be in a title game after being picked to finish that low. But um, a lot of talk about them not earning it, then they shouldn't be the team that's in there. I, I don't really buy that. I just think that they earned their way. They just couldn't compete when it came down to 
trying to match up with a Georgia, which is a Georgia team that, again, I talked to my brother about this last night. There's a lot to be be said for experience. Those guys were yeah. on that stage last year. And TCU, that's kind of a, a Cinderella story, and we're just trying to get there and trying to get there. And, I mean, it's a lot of, uh, what, seven years now for Kirby at Georgia. It's There's been a lot of work going to these last two seasons for, for Georgia. No question about that. So Chase, go, oh, go ahead, Chase. Yeah, I was going to say. I didn't even get into that game, but that's where I was headed. I mean, I, I don't think there's any denying that, you know, TCU, the way they played this year, they deserve to be there. But, you know, the only – thing that's really going to solve this, you know, the Alabamas and the Tennessees getting a chance to outplay them is, you know, when they expand to eight teams. So I look forward to that. You know, we we probably won't have any more 75 to six national championships once that goes into effect. So um, we'll, we'll see how that pans out once they expand the field a little bit. Well, and here's the question I wanted to ask. Where does Michigan go from here? Because now you've been to the CFP twice and you lost in the semifinal, which all fine and good. But – Obviously, we've entered a second straight offseason where Jim Harbaugh's name keeps coming up in NFL coaching searches. What do you, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of, we can get to this more later, but is Jim Harbaugh going to be there next year? I, I think I think he is. Um, I just don't know. I don't I don't know of anybody. I don't know. I, I don't see anybody moving on him because he's so inconsistent with what he keeps saying. He says. I want to be back here. I'm going to be back here. And then you, know, you, you see tweets where he's taking interviews in the NFL. Uh, I did see a tweet a couple of days ago that the Panthers had already passed on him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if, I, if I'm buying stock right now, I'm buying stock that Jim Harbaugh's back in Michigan next year. Chase? Yeah, I believe the same thing. I mean, it's, it's going to be hard for him to eventually leave his alma mater. And, um, you know, I, I think they have a chance to compete year in and year out. Well, and that's the thing, too. I, I don't think – I think Jim Harbaugh would have been more likely to leave if they had won the whole thing this year because at that point, what else could you do? As my dad's posted, they're 0-5 in their last bowl, five bowl games. He hasn't even won a bowl game in recent memory there. Uh, not to mention a national championship. Now, he did get over the Ohio State hump. He did get over the Big Ten hump. But to me, you know – the only reason he would leave at this point is if he wins a national title, because at that point, you know, you've, you've done it all. There, there's yeah. nothing else to be done. Let's move over to the other semifinal, which ended on the stroke of midnight on the East Coast. Is number one Georgia showing their championship medal came from behind to beat Ohio State 42 to 41. They trailed by two touchdowns twice, made huge plays when it mattered, and you know. I keep saying this to people over and over. It is annoying and as weird as Stetson Bennett is and is the whole thing, you know, we say he's not as good as we think and blah, blah, blah. You cannot deny that when his team needs him in big moments, he has come up clutch. And I'll tell you who else, you know, C.J. Stroud had his critics after the way they lost to Michigan. Jordan and I even talked about this, that, you know, he kind of withered on, on that big stage. He lit up. Georgia's secondary. And not only that, he his scrambling ability, I think, also really opened the eyes of some NFL scouts. Even despite Georgia coming back, I thought Ryan Day completely mismanaged their final drive. I, I thought they had a chance to get a little bit closer with two timeouts for a better field goal, and they didn't. And so a 50-yard field goal is no gimme for a college kicker. 
And so the Ruggles kick goes wide left, and Ohio State falls. Um, and I will say, what a timeout by Kirby Smart to prevent that fake punt that may have saved Georgia. A um, lot to unpack in this game as well, which was another absolute thriller. Jordan, take it away. Where do you want to go with this? Man, what, what a game. And I said it earlier, I think this is probably your national title game, and I think um, a lot of people thought that even in the moment. Um, before we came on today, John, I was thinking I wanted to play a, a quick game of Would You Rather here because for the last, I don't know, seven years, you and I have been talking about sports together uh, between UTM and obviously working uh, now with Forever. Um, you've told me we got to have good semifinal games. we got to have good semifinal. I want to see some good semifinal games. you got them this year. Uh, but the question is, would you rather have good semifinal games and have what we had to, to sit through last night in exchange for that? Or would you rather – have, you know, 20-point wins in the semifinal games and a really good national championship. Can I have one good semifinal and a good national championship? <laughs> you don't want but one. You want one good semi. Okay. okay. At least entertain me once on New Year's Eve and then entertain me on national championship <laughs> night. I mean, golly. I, I, think, I, I think I would want a good natty over uh, two games. Yeah. that I really do. Uh, because last night was miserable. Uh, last night sucked. I try to sit through all the championship games and every sport that I watch, and no matter how bad it is. But I really couldn't even enjoy last night. I quit watching at halftime. Um, I mean, it was on, but let's be real. I wasn't really yeah. watching it. I mean, who, who cares? Yeah. Um, but as far as this game go, goes, I didn't mean to get off track there, but I always thought that was interesting. Um, this was a really fun game to watch. And, and two, two teams going at it, again, that I think arguably probably have the best two rosters in college football this year. Uh, and preseason, a lot of people were picking Ohio State to, to be the winner of the of the uh, national championship this year, um, just based off what they were bringing back. And and they they showed that they belonged. And that again, it was another situation where they had to bounce back after losing to Michigan. Um, that you know they had their opportunity. They were able to get in as the four. And um, I think a lot of credit goes to Ryan Day as well because over that what uh, they the last time they played was the last week of the regular season up until the playoff. And through that stretch, what is that, a three, two, three-week stretch there where it was just a Ryan Day, should they get rid of him? He's not good. Ohio State's underachieved. Uh, let's move on from Ryan Day. I mean, he just kept taking it on the chin, on the chin. And um, you can say what you want to about Ryan Day, uh, but he had his team ready. And, again, I think, guys, just the way this game played out, I think these were probably the best two teams in college football. Chase? Yeah, I mean, I woke up this morning and I went back and watched the highlights of this game. I guess I was I was thirsty for some good football again. But, <laughs> um, you know, I think if these two teams play 100 times, Georgia probably wins a majority. But I definitely think Ohio State should have won this game the way it played out. I mean, they were up double digits with less than 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, the the speed, it's such a huge difference in what Ohio State brought to the table and what TCU brought to the table. Yes. Um, you know, the blocking was good. They, 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 they played right there with Georgia. So, I mean, they were, they were definitely one B I think so on the year. And I mean, you know, everyone saw them drop that game to Michigan, uh, lost a lot of faith in them this year, but man, they, they definitely have a lot to bring to the table and they, they competed really hard. Yeah. And I think to me again, I mean, just, I mean, they had him on the ropes. I mean, and, and many people probably wouldn't have thought Ohio State would have done that. You would have thought, how, how bad is Georgia going to blow them out? And Georgia didn't blow them out. They, I mean, it, especially because Georgia 
is essentially they run a very similar style of, of offense and defense as Michigan, except they're better, a lot better. And that's kind of why a lot of people thought, oh, man, Georgia might, you know, blow them out, blah, blah, blah. Well, no. And that's why I give a lot of credit to C.J. Stroud for how well he played and, and Ryan Day for the game he called. And, you know, I, if I'm Georgia, the only thing I can nitpick, and I say nitpick because it nearly cost you the game, but Georgia marches down the field with, what, a minute and a half left, had the, had the ball, you know, had the ball. They get down there in about four plays. They're down like the 15. It's, instead of throw, trying to throw it from the end zone with 50 seconds left, run the ball. Um, and, and, and don't – I would not have wanted to give C.J. Stroud a chance and because they put the ball back in his hands and they had two timeouts and Stroud made enough plays to give him a chance. I just – I cannot get over that on first and 10 from the Georgia – what what were they at, the 30, 35, I don't, I don't know, that they ran that ball and, and it just threw away a timeout. I, guys, I don't know about you, but 50 yards for a college kicker is just – it's hit or miss. To me, throw something over the middle, open up the whole playbook, get as close as you can get to set your kicker up for a best position to, to succeed. And, yeah, 34-yard 30, 30 line, you're comfortable with that. I mean, I, yeah. I don't I don't understand. Uh-huh. I didn't understand that in the moment either. Um, I think they were scared to run a couple more plays because something may happen. Uh, but – I'm not setting up with that much time and in, in the situation. Yeah. I'm not setting up and the way they were carving Georgia's secondary. Yes. I mean it was they kind of bailed Georgia out because they were doing so well um against that defense. I, I thought that maybe they would run a couple more plays. I, I was just as shocked as everybody else was, I think. Um, because then you're then you're putting it on the the leg of a uh, a kicker who who um is a good kicker, but you're asking him to make a fifty one yarder. To, to win and send your team to the national championship. Did, didn't quite understand it, um, but that's why I sit behind a computer screen and talk about it. Yes, that's why we are, uh, I guess, the <laughs> armchair coaches, as as you might uh, as you might say. There's a, lot, there's a lot going on in the moment, for yes. sure. So let's move on to last night, which was an all-time bloodletting, 65-7. to and Georgia scored on every single one of their first-half possessions against TCU, up 38-7 to at the break. TCU looked in over their head from about the opening snap. I mean, really, if Georgia doesn't have that busted coverage late in the first quarter, TCU probably doesn't score. I mean, do you guys see TCU finding a way to go the length of the field to find any points out of that? I mean, yeah. I, I just – out, if they had not gotten that early touchdown to make it ten to seven, it it would have I mean because it just the way Georgia moved the ball, especially in the first half, and I mean obviously in the second half when the game was in hand. But I I did not have on my bingo card Georgia looking like an NFL offense, just moving up and down the field at will, and TCU looking absolutely and totally helpless to do anything. I, I mean, and of course Todd Monkins calling read options and a quarterback sweep for Stetson Bennett down near the goal line. And, and Bennett literally just – I mean, two linemen didn't even touch a soul because no one was there. I mean, Todd Munkin, I think, deserves a ton of credit for the game he called and, and the game plan they had because – but, I mean, they just absolutely did unholy things to TCU last night. Uh, and, and Stetson Bennett in the process – Six total touchdowns, which tied Joe Burrow's national title game record in 2019. 
By the numbers, Georgia with a historic 58-point margin of victory, the largest win in a bowl game ever and the largest win in the national title game ever. Uh, Chase, what else do you want to touch on with, with this one? Just is, is Georgia absolutely dominant and back-to-back champions? Yeah, I mean, the only thing that really irritated me about this game, besides the fact that it was a blowout, was the fact that Kirby Smart and all the Georgia players kept saying how they were count out all year, and no one thought they would be there. Like, man, I, I know you're trying to use it as motivation, but who in their <laughs> right mind is counting you out? I mean, you, you dominated the entire season, and you just beat a team by 60, so I don't – yeah, I don't they, know what you guys are talking about, but I mean, yeah, Nolan Smith even said it in the, in the post game interview there, and he was talking about how uh, from the beginning of the year people were predicting them to go six and six and seven and five. Didn't yeah, see no. one of those. Didn't see one of those predictions. In fact, I went back and googled just because I was curious. Uh, the AP uh, top twenty five preseason, and they were third on that list. So, and that was behind Ohio State and Alabama. So, and weren't they preseason SEC East favorites? Yes, I mean, yes. So I don't think they were ever counted out. I'm not taking anything from them. Uh, this was complete domination last night, um, and I, I think they were trying to fool us into thinking it was going to be decent. Um, because if you you look at the line, it was what thirteen and a half before kickoff, floated around from twelve to fourteen there. Uh, leading up to the game, and and even my brother, who's a diehard Georgia fan, was a little nervous about that. He thought TCU could cover. He thought they'd win by ten, um, and I did too. I thought TCU offensively could score some points because the one thing that Ohio State did well was get vertical on Georgia. They were able to throw the ball down the field and have some success. And I thought TCU would be able to do a little bit of that, at least in the first half. But they weren't able to do it at all, other than that one play, and that was a broken coverage. So. Um, it was it was really ugly to watch, um, and it, it it really just stinks because now they're back to back champs. They're one of our big uh, division rivals, and my brother's a fan of them, and that just adds to it. So now I got to listen to it. So Tennessee's on the, the come up, and hopefully, hopefully we can get um, our moment in the next few years. So you know I, I, there was a there's a joke or a little clip going around of Josh Heupel on busting with the boys and they asked him about what his best playoff field would be, look like. And I'm sure you guys have seen this. He said four SEC teams, the top four. Yeah. Does he have a point? Because my dad obviously commented here and gave us this link to a tweet from Peter Burns. The SEC in bowl season played the Big 12 champion, the Big 12 runner-up, the Big 10 runner-up, and the ACC champion, and went 4-0, and outscoring those four opponents by a combined total of 204 to 8-48. to what, what what do we think? When we go to 12, are we really just going to get three, four SEC teams? Probably play? so. I think when you get down to five or six teams left, you're going to have probably three or four SEC teams. Wouldn't surprise me a bit. Man, a lot. So to your point, Jordan, about how, you know, Georgia is is just completely dominant, are we seeing the beginning of a dynasty? Because this, I mean, this game reminded me eerily, and I said it kind of before the game that I hoped it wasn't going to be this way, but it literally ended up being exactly like this. Was the Notre Dame-Alabama game, yes, and much worse. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because that was Alabama's back-to-back run, and, you know, you kind of felt like that was a, a, a good spot for them. Well, next year, think about this. Georgia, obviously, eyeing a 3 P. Their schedule is as weak as it can possibly be. They're only going to play one team that didn't have five-plus losses, and that's Tennessee. 
Lots of key pieces coming back that have at least another season of eligibility. Sophomores coming back include Brock Bowers, no explanation needed, A.D. Mitchell, who had a huge playoff run for them, Small Munden, who was their leading tackler, Javon Bullard, who was the game's defensive MVP with two picks, Javon Dumas-Johnson was the team's second leading tackler, and Kamari Lassiter, the third leading tackler, Keely Ringo, who's another big piece in their secondary, Lad McConkey, who I guess is the love child of Hunter Renfro and Wes Welker, um, Omarius Mims, and Arian Smith are all going to be back next year for Georgia. I mean, a three-peat hasn't happened since before World War II in 1934, 1936, but Georgia, I mean, look, they can enter the Tennessee game next fall at 10-0, and and their record at that point would have been 83-10 and since 2017, and they will have won 39 of its last 40 games. Is this the Dogs' dynasty beginning? I don't know what you want to call it, but I, I think if you match seven more years, Kirby's been there seven. I think if you if you if we look ahead to seven more, when he finishes his 14th year, I think he has at least five. Wow, so that's that's three out of the next seven. Just because of what he's been able to do, and he's doing it. He's at a younger age than Nick Saban. He's 10 years younger than, than Nick Saban was when he won his second. Um, and I think it was just a matter of time before before it started for Kirby. I mean, he was getting guys in there. He's a defensive coach, and I kind of underestimated him a little bit. Um, but they've got the ball rolling. The only thing I think that's going to slow him down is just the world we live in in college football, how, how much it's changing and how people um, can be unhappy and, and leave. But – I'll say that, and then last year they took one guy out of the portal. I mean, a lot of these guys are people that they've really developed in their program that are sticking around. They don't have a lot of guys transfer out. When you're winning, it's all good, man. You're going to keep the talent there. And they'll add, probably add another piece or two out of the portal that will help them. Um, so, yeah, I think it is a dynasty. I think if you look look up and – man, it, it hurts me to even say that, but I think if you look up after Kirby's there 12 to 15 years – I mean, I, I think he probably has five or six titles, similar to what Nick Saban's done at Bama. And I, I that's I know it's probably a bold take right now, but I, that's just what I've that's what I'm saying. Bold to think about that, looking at their trajectory right now. I mean, yeah, Chase. I mean, yeah, without a doubt, they're you know back to back. That's that's just as impressive as anything in college football. So, I I think they are the present day Alabama that you know we saw a decade ago, and um. So, I mean, yeah, they're dominant. We'll see how they replace the mailman next year at quarterback. Let me ask y'all, because we're, 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 we're diehard Tennessee fans here. We support them through and through. I, I saw a lot of posts last night and, and, and this morning as well, and I don't know, really know how I feel about this. More people are saying they would rather see Georgia be this dominant as a Tennessee fan than they would be Alabama. How do we feel about that? Well, I'm biased because half of my family comes from Georgia – and our Georgia fans, I literally stayed in the uh, quote-unquote Georgia room when I went down to my grandmother's house over Christmas. So uh, I, I'm fine with it. I mean, it will probably get annoying at some point. Uh, but uh, what You're I'd not fine with it. That, You'd just rather it be then than Bama. You're not fine. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's how I am, I guess. But I, I don't know. It's Chase? Just, yeah, I mean, it's not really a win-win either way. Uh, you know, their their fans are just as annoying. You know, they bark at people and all kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm about tired of them already. Me too. 
Me too. Yeah. I, I just hope – I say all that about Kirby to say this. I just hope with how, where college football is, with the portal, with the NIL, I just hope we get a different champion. I hope we see, you know, even if if Georgia wins another one, one the next five years, I'm okay with that. But I want to see some yeah. different people. And I hope that's what we see. I hope we see a Tennessee. I hope we see a Tennessee. I hope we see a Tennessee. That's what I hope. I hope we see some, some different people in there that obviously make some noise. And I think once you get to the 12 team playoff, it's going to yeah. be even harder because you got to go through so many good teams to get there. Well, and let's take it to that point, to your point. How impressive is it for Georgia? Because when we were taking a, taking a look at Bama's dynasty, they pretty much, I mean, what, three or four of theirs came in the BCS era, right? Well, Georgia now has gone is the first back-to-back CFP champion, and they've done it where you had to win an extra game. Yeah, and they've done it both times. Um, I mean, I think I think that kind of adds another layer. To- but what? I, I guess we lagged there, but yeah, I was going to say, but but but. You know, Georgia's first title last year, they wouldn't have been in the title game if, if it wasn't for the playoff because they lost the SEC yes. championship. That's very true. Yes. So you can you can make that argument about the BCS, and but they always put the top two teams in, and, and Georgia, again, wouldn't have been in the game last year. So, I mean, I I don't know. I think, I mean, it is impressive because you do got to win that extra game. And I, like I said, once it goes to 12 teams, I think it's going to be even more impressive if you can win it because you're going to have to go through, you know, some of the top teams. Now, I don't really agree with how the seeding is because if you look at this year, Clemson would have been the four seed. I mean, because they were the ACC champion. And I'm just not yeah. – I'm not sold on, on the seeding. That's, that's the only thing that's going to really concern me once it yeah. starts. But it's more football. so It will be more football. It will be more fun to talk about as we inch toward the 12-team playoff. But college football season is in the books, and so we'll now turn a lot of our attention to the NFL playoffs, which will start on Saturday. So we'll take a look back at Week 18 and look at the playoff picture as we head into the weekend. Stay tuned. More coming right after this on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. For your next car or truck, come see Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Jerry Ward and his all-star team have a lot filled with pre-owned small, mid-sized, and full-size cars, SUVs, and nice trucks, too. And if they don't have the right size, they'll find it for you. No matter what you're looking for, score your next ride at Jerry Ward Autoplex, Real Foot Avenue in Union City, or online at jerrywardautoplex.com. Like Jerry always says, don't dream it, drive it. Be a winner with Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Second four on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. Well, the NFL regular season has come to a close, mercifully for some of us. And for others, that means just the beginning of what they hope is a playoff run. But for all of our teams on this show, uh, now our attention goes to the April's draft because our teams, well, Jordan's looked good. Jordan and Chase's looked good for about half a year. Mine didn't look good from opening day. And so we were rewarded with the number four overall pick. Let's take a look back at the weekend. The Chiefs crushing the Raiders 31-13. to They lock up the first round bye in the AFC playoffs. Um, what did we think about the snow globe play and what Pat Mahomes had to say about that, Chase? Uh, that was yeah. fun. Yeah, that was that was definitely something I haven't seen in a minute, So, or probably ever. Um, but, 
yeah, the Chiefs, man, they're they're clicking on all cylinders right now. You know, moved off Tyreek Hill and still looking just as dangerous as ever on offense. So, any thoughts on the Chiefs, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, I think that we talk a lot about uh, Andy Reid, Pat Mahomes, and after the after moving from Tyreek Hill, a lot of people thought maybe they would go backwards a little bit offensively, but I think the most impressive thing about them is they're still they've still been consistent, man. They're still good. Yeah. And uh, that that combination, they knew what they were doing. Uh, a lot of people kind of scratched their head when they um, replaced Patrick Mahomes. Man, like who, who was Adam? Who was oh, the Adam Smith? It was Adam Alex Smith. Smith. I want to say Adam Smith. Alex Smith, and they it feels like forever ago now. When they replaced Pat Mahomes uh, with Alex Smith, that's whenever people were kind of qu- questioning that a little bit. But since but, then, they've been they've been fun to uh, to watch that too. You know, Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes together has certainly been a fun run in Kansas City. In the AFC South Toilet Bowl, the Texans come from behind to beat the Colts 32-31 and in the process fumble the bag of the number one overall pick. The Colts now looking for a new head coach. Please do not hire Jim Erse, or uh, Jeff Saturday or Jim Ursay, rather. I would like to fire her owner while we're at it because this was his idea. But they will have the number four overall pick. And so um, all I want for Christmas is Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, please. Um, the Texans have fired Lovey Smith. Um, after losing. Christmas is over, John. Christmas is over. Just like I need a late Christmas present, okay? It can come in April. I, I don't care. Um, CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. That's all I want. Um, in a cool story in Buffalo, the Bills knocked the Patriots out of playoff contention with a 35-23 win. Naheem Hines runs the opening kickoff back for a touchdown on the first play since DeMar Hamlin's collapse. Chase, how cool was that? Yeah, I mean, I thought the craziest thing was that was their – First kickoff return touchdown in three years and three months. You know, wow. DeMar Hamlin being number three. So, I mean, it's funny how that stuff works out sometimes. So, really cool scene. Jordan? There's got to be one in every crowd, right? What's that? I, I just I, – I look into this kickoff return, and I, I just don't know, guys. There was probably about six or seven opportunities to tackle the kick returner, and we just saw a lot of bad angles. Uh, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be that guy, but – uh, it was it was cool to see, um, but yeah, the NFL's <laughs> entertainment. Let's just leave it at that. Entertainment. So you're a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> I don't know that I am, but there was some there were some different things that happened there on that kickoff return. I mean, you know, to, watch- to, be, to be fair, Jordan, the guy did have two kickoff returns on the day for a touchdown. Right, right. That makes it even worse. Yeah, me. even worse. <laughs> I thought Belichick was supposed to be a special teams guy too, right? Y'all know I'm joking, man. It was cool. It was cool stuff. In the AFC West, the Chargers get upset by the Broncos as Russell Wilson finally shows some signs of life. The Broncos win 31-28. The Eagles defeat the Giants 22-16 to secure the number one seed as the Giants rested virtually everyone. The Bucs rest as well, and the Falcons defeat the Bucs 32-17. The Vikings rebound with a big win over the Bears 29-13. Now Chicago holds the number one overall pick for the first time since 1947. Obviously, guys, I think – I don't really think a quarterback is coming. I think, you know, obviously they like Justin Fields. But does Chicago think about trading this because there's going to be several quarterback desperate teams in the top ten that would love nothing more than to go up and grab Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud? I think the history of the Bears is is defense. And, you know, they they like to build around their defense – I don't think you trade it unless it's just something that's a massive win for you. Um, 
which a lot of teams are going to throw a lot of things at them. Uh, and the Colts might be one of them. I've seen some mock drafts where the Colts are at one. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. But I think they'll end up drafting um, Jalen Carter, the defense lineman for Georgia, or Will Anderson from Alabama, if I had to guess. Jason. If, they, if they stay at one. Yeah. Yeah, I expect a defensive player as well. I, I do think it's hilarious. You know, Lovey Smith, longtime Chicago Bear coach, goes out and wins and gives the Bears <laughs> the number one pick. So, uh, <laughs> That yeah. is pretty funny, but uh, yeah, we'll see what they do there. I mean, they might make the Texans earn it or the Colts. You know, hey, do we think Lovey knew that he was going to be escorted out because he tried hard to win that game? It was kind of like, if you're going to get rid of me, all right, cool. I'm going to get rid of your uh, number one. We're a fourth and twenty Hail Mary and went for two. So I mean, <laughs> he definitely wanted to win. Yeah, he went all out for it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's more likely the Bears will not pick number one because my thinking is you can get. You will be able to get Will Anderson or Jalen Carter inside the top five if you trade back with Houston or Indy. Right, Arizona, yeah. Arizona's not going to want want a quarterback. Um, and I can't remember who has number five, but Indy and Houston are the two major ones in the top five that are going to want a quarterback. And then you know you go further down, Carolina's going to be up there, and maybe the, you know maybe the Jets. I, I think the Jets are in the top ten as well. After it's all said and done, I, I can't remember the draft order off the top of my head, but. You've got several, the point is you're going to have several quarterback needy teams yeah. that I think are going to be willing to mortgage a future to and I think if you're the Bears thinking you have your quarterback it behooves you to collect as many top picks as you can get to continue to build your roster and if you can still get a Will Anderson or Jalen Carter while still getting more first round picks for later or other yeah. picks for later and getting better talent I mean I think that helps you long term yeah, you got you got the uh, Bears, the Texans, Cardinals are at three, Colts are at four, the Seahawks at five, the Lions at six, Raiders, Falcons, Panthers, and Eagles. Which the Eagles got that pick from New Orleans, or they round out the top ten. The Eagles being at ten, it's just uh, that's it's weird. Yeah, that it's is unfair. weird, especially <laughs> after the year they're having. Yeah. Um, moving around, on around the rest of the league, the Bengals remove the coin flip scenario from the table. They defeat the Lamarless. Ravens with a 27 to 16 win. The Dolphins get the final playoff spot with an 11 to 6 win over the Jets. That is a gross scoreline. Uh, the Panthers beat the Saints 10 to 7, both of them picking in the top 10. Pittsburgh rolls past Cleveland and they preserve a winning record. And Mike Tomlin still has yet to have a losing season in Pittsburgh. That's pretty crazy and a crazy stat for him. Very um, impressive, yeah. Yes, incredibly impressive. As long, especially because he's been there for what, fifteen years now? Yeah, I thought it was, I think it was sixteen or seventeen. That sixteen, I man. Okay, wow. Yeah, I mean, still. Yeah, that's, um, that's really impressive. The 49ers crush the Cardinals, thirty-eight, thirteen. Arizona has fired Cliff Kingsbury, and he becomes the latest casualty for a franchise that has never retained a coach longer than six plus years. That when Schefter tweeted that out, that guys, that is just amazing to me. Wild. Yeah, that's that's a long long time to not be able to find the guy. That just means they got a short leash on their coaches, which to be honest with you, though, six years is a lot of time. If you can't yeah. figure it out before six years, then it's it's probably time to move on. It is. I just what you would have thought, like I told you yesterday, you could find one guy to stick. That, yeah, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a ten to twelve yeah. year span where you were you were really good had one guy. But you know. Jeff Saturday. Players. Jeff Saturday, maybe. They can have Jeff, Jeff Saturday. Saturday. They are welcome <laughs> to have Jeff Saturday. I, I promise yeah. we will willingly 
offer. Did, did you Saturday. see? And I know you have because you got. I'm sure you got a lot of Colts accounts on Twitter. Did you see the video when they hired him and he said, "Look, if I go, you know, one. I don't know how many games he coached. What eight, nine? I think he said if he goes one and eight, then they can go ahead and get rid of him. And what did he go? He won one game, correct? He said something to the effect of maybe I'm not going to be very good at this, and I'm, if I'm not, I'll leave. And, and, and right, he said if I. Now yeah. he's trying to eat the words and say, well, you know, I didn't get a very good hand drawn. Well, maybe you didn't, but you, you you gave up 33 points in the fourth quarter to the Cowboys on national TV, and you blew the largest lead in NFL history. You're not very good at this. Go back to the ESPN. You had an opportunity to win one time against the Titans this year. If you just win Sunday, then you don't have as bad of a losing streak. But instead, you had the time, so – yeah, it was it was it was uh it was interesting this year for for both of those two teams. <laughs> yeah. Seahawks knock off the Rams nineteen to sixteen, which kept their their playoff hopes alive heading into Sunday night football. The Commanders beat the Cowboys twenty six to six, and then the Lions upset the Packers twenty to sixteen, and the Green Bay Packers not going to the postseason. Aaron Rodgers kind of hinting at a possible retirement. The Lions look good. Heading into next year, um, was this the last game in a Green Bay uniform for Aaron Rodgers? I think it's probably more likely that it was. I mean, I, I think either retirement or moving on from Green Bay is is probably the most likely thing just based off what we saw. I think the most impressive thing about this game, guys, is the fact that 20 minutes before kickoff, the Lions knew they were out of the playoffs. They, they had already been told uh, that Seattle had won, and obviously in overtime, I was kind of hoping that that game would stay in overtime when their game kicked. Because I wanted, yeah. I didn't really want Detroit. As a football fan, you're like, I don't really want Detroit knowing they may lay down, but they didn't. They did the exact opposite of that, um, and they they came out and they wanted to ruin it for one of their biggest rivals, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, they'll yeah, I mean, go ahead, Chase. I I just thought it was extremely you know idiotic by the NFL to even put the lines in that situation. Like, why do you not start the games at the same time? You know, you you risk the team not showing motivation, but you know Dan Campbell. That guy reminds me of like Stone Cold Steve Austin back in the yeah. day. You know, he's he he's a guy. He's coming right for your kneecaps, and he he's just a coach <laughs> you want to play for. That post game, that post game locker room was was fun to hear him too. He was he was fun. And here's my thing too. To me, the game that made the most sense to be in primetime Sunday night was the Titans Jags game because of how much was on the line for for both of those teams. Yeah, uh, and I mean. But, I mean, you know, and like you said, there's no reason the Lions and the Seahawks should have been playing at the same time with as much, you know, riding on on those two's playoff hopes. But, nonetheless, we we do now have a schedule and a playoff bracket for the NFC. It looks like this. Of course, the Eagles have the bye. Seattle heads on the road to San Francisco. That's a 3.30 kickoff on Saturday on Fox. The Giants go on the road to the Vikings. That's a 3.30 on Sunday on Fox kickoff, and then the Cowboys at the Bucks Monday night on Super Wildcard Weekend. You'll have a full ESPN megacast there. So which of these games stands out the most to you guys? There's some good ones. Uh, I think the fact that Brady's never lost, and I know Chase will eat this one up, uh, Brady's never lost to the Cowboys. I mean, obviously that's going to be the headline oh, in that game. So that's something to, something to watch there. Well, and Dallas just laid an egg in their last regular. Dude, Dallas has looked. Dallas has looked bad. Like they didn't look good against Titans either. Let's just let's just throw that out there as well. They did not look very yeah. good. I know they won, um, but they've kind of hit a wall here the last couple of weeks. And they haven't looked as good as they did. So it's going to be 
going to be interesting to watch what they do here in the, in the playoffs for sure. Chase, what sticks out to you about the NFC outlook here? Yeah, I mean, that's a weird game. I mean, Tampa's offense hasn't been clicking on all cylinders either. So that because, we'll because of what, Chase? Because of who? I mean, I won't say the guy's washed or anything, but, uh, you know, I think the offense will eventually figure it out. This should be a very good game. Um, either way, it, it might be low scoring. I'm, I'm not really expecting a 42-42 shootout, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll see how that pans out. I, I am excited to see how Daniel Jones does against Kirk Cousins. Um, I think yeah. the Giants have a really good chance in that game. I do, too. He's not prime time, though, so yeah. uh, Kirk Cousins will win, you know. I do too, Chase, and I, I thought I might have been the only one. I think I think the Giants have a, a a solid chance in that game. And then, John, I don't want to skip ahead here, but you asked about Geno. Uh, could he lead an, an upset against San Fran? The only way I think he could is if uh, the, the moment's too big for for Mister Brock there at San yeah. Fran. But what he's been able to do so far for them, and is and being the last pick in the draft, Mister Irrelevant to uh, to really leading them to a, a great year. That I don't think they've lost a game with him. If I'm mistaken, I think they've won eight games in a row, seven, eight games in a row. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Let me check. That's, that's uh, pretty impressive for a rookie, and and I don't think the moment's going to be too big. And I like San Fran, especially with that defense and the way they're, they're clicking offensively with him. He's going to get paid for throwing it out there. Yeah, well, yeah. Let's see if I can find Brock Purdy, his record since they became – he became – I think it's seven or eight. No. Yeah, I think I think his first one was a Tampa Bay start. They won that game, right? Yeah. yeah. I can't find anything offhand, but I mean, he certainly had a great run to start, even if it's not undefeated. I mean, yeah, yeah. He, he's played very, very well. Let's go to the AFC. The Chiefs have the first round bye. Now, this is where things could get really interesting because of the Demar Hamlin situation. No one is locked in as a quote unquote one seed because if it's and you guys will have to correct me because it's so there's so many different scenarios. But if the Bengals, the Bills, and the Chiefs, two of those three get there, it's played at a neutral, right? Is that how it's? Is that how we're? Is that what we're saying? Um, What's that? I think it's at least the Bills and the Chiefs. I don't know okay. if the Bengals, well, but the Bills, Chiefs, or or Cincy, I believe. If it's a combination okay. of any of those three, yeah. So that then then you play at a neutral, and and nobody, you know, you don't host because. Obviously, when when Demar Hamlin went down, that game, that Bills Bengals game, had a lot riding on the number one seed, and they obviously didn't get a chance to finish it. So, um, so it'll be interesting. But the Chiefs do get the first round bye, so the weekend looks like this in the AFC: the Chargers and the Jaguars, two young quarterbacks in their playoff debuts Saturday night on NBC. Sign me up for that. That's going to be fun. Uh, the Dolphins at the Bills at noon on Sunday, CBS. Tua, early return's not good on if he's going to be able to go. And if he's not playing, you can't really give Miami much of a chance, I wouldn't think. Uh, and then the AFC North rivalry renewed in Cincinnati, 7-15 Sunday night on NBC as the Ravens head to the Bengals. Now, the Ravens camp is saying they're optimistic Lamar is going to play. If Lamar doesn't play, again, kind of similar to the Dolphins, you don't think Baltimore's got much of a chance. But if Lamar returns – does Baltimore have a chance of pulling the upset? Uh, no, no. Okay, huh. I, I don't. I don't think that. I think Cincy's one of the the hottest teams in the AFC. And I'll be honest with you, sitting here today, I think Cincy and Kansas City are the likely favorites of the AFC. Wow, Chase. just total team effort and how 
I'm not counting out Josh Allen or this or the situation Buffalo's in because I think that's added motivation. But strictly looking at football, just from my take, I think I think the Bengals and the Chiefs are playing the best football right now. Yeah, I mean the the Bengals are definitely on fire. If I'm not mistaken, I think they're on a seven or eight game win streak. Yeah. So yeah, um, they're on fire. But this, I don't know. It feels like it's going to be a little bit of a trap game, in my opinion. I think it's it's hard okay. to beat a, it's hard to beat the same team two weeks in a row. So yes, um, I think it'll be tight. I certainly feel like everyone is on the bit on the Bills, Bengals, and Chiefs, and rightfully so. And I still think, obviously, you you're going to get one of those three from the AFC. I, I don't think really any of these other ones have a chance. But I would say, I think Justin Herbert and, and the Chargers are going to go on the road and beat Jacksonville, and I think they're going to give somebody fits. I, I don't know how the bracket shapes up who they play in the in the division, but. Justin Herbert, man, we, we kind of waited three years to to get this moment from him. Man, if that guy in prime time is, is special. I think I think the Chargers could make some noise. Yeah, I think they, they would play the um, – they are the lowest. They're the seven, correct? Or is that – No, just, the, I don't think – I think the Dolphins are the seven. Okay, the so – Chargers are six. Okay, so the Dolphins would play the, the highest remaining seed left and then if they win and then – you know, there's a chance that the Chargers could be the lowest seed remaining moving to the second yes. round. So then they would probably play the Chiefs, which would which would Ooh. be which would be rough. Yes, it <laughs> so would. That, that wouldn't be too good. But I think I'm on the I'm on the opposite side of you though. I think Jacksonville beats the Chargers. Really? I do. You're thinking Trevor. I do. I think their defense is good enough. Then I, I think Trevor will will get it going. That's what I believe. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with Jordan there. I think Jacksonville finds a way. Um, you know, one thing to look out for in that game, the Chargers, they were pretty much playing in a meaningless game last week. And Mike Williams, one of their best receivers, got injured and Bosa. So, we'll, uh, we'll see if they're able to be 100% this week. That is so. true. Yesterday was Black Monday in the NFL. So, quickly, just want to hit on the NFL coaching carousel, which is now in high gear. Carolina, of course, fired Matt Rule early in the season. Arizona has fired Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury, I mean, hes I think he's a good offensive coordinator, mind, but listen to this. Since becoming the head coach at Texas Tech in 2013, Kingsbury is 18-54 and 54 after the first seven games of the season. Is that bad? Uh, just, I would say so, yeah. That's pretty bad. So. Indianapolis looking for a coach, obviously fired Frank Reich halfway through the year, and hopefully we'll send Jeff Saturday packing. Uh, Denver got rid of Nathaniel Hackett late in the year. Houston, of course, fired Lovey Smith. Jim Harbaugh, Sean Payton, Dan Quinn, D'Amico Ryans are among the names that keep getting floated out there for a lot of these vacancies. We'll take another quick break. We'll come back to the stock market and wrap things up on this Tri-State Sports Program. First show in 2023 after this on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Auto Plex. If you're looking for a place to sit back, relax, and support your favorite sports teams, it's the Hawks Nest Bar and Grill in Martin. Each and every week, they have deals on food and drinks, so you can support your favorite teams. On Monday night, cornhole tournament as well, $10 blind draw, sign-ups at 6 o'clock, bags fly at 7, and each and every weekend, you can stop by and take your shot at karaoke with live music as well. The Hawks Nest Bar and Grill is a proud sponsor of the Tri-State Sports Program, and they're located at 105 Church Street in Martin. Final segment of the show today on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. 
going to wrap things up as we've spent a lot of time on football, three NFL stocks and three in college football. And then we will wrap things up for our first show in 2023. As always, the show powered by Jared Bordotoplex and the Hawks Nets. Let's start with the NFL. Buy or sell, the Bears will trade the number one pick. Chase? Oh, man, I'm going to buy it. I think they take a defensive player, Will Anderson or Carter Early. I mean, I know there, there are going to be a lot of teams, you know, gunning for it. So we'll we'll see how it pans out, but I think they'll keep it. So you're selling So, so we're selling. Yeah, I'm selling it. Yeah. I'm selling as well. I'm selling as well. I'm I buying think. it. Oh, go ahead, Jordan. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think, again, I think they take a defensive player. Um I don't know which way I lean right now. I mean, I think it's either going to be Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's Jalen Carter. He's been dominant when he's healthy for Georgia on that defensive line. Yeah. Yep. I think I'm going to buy because, again, like I said earlier, you've got so many quarterback needy teams in the top ten, and I don't know who 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 which one would offer the most draft capital, who would win that arms race, but you've got so many that are going to be desperate for for Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud and. and I just think somebody, my team included, is going to be willing to throw three ones, four ones at Chicago and say, name your price. And, and I mean, at some point, I think they'll break and, and they'll they'll do it because, like I said, your team needs a lot of blue chip players, and here's an opportunity to do so. Draft-related staying on that front, three quarterbacks will be selected in the top ten in April. Hmm. Obviously, I think two is the popular number, but the third one would be Will Levis, probably, you would think. Will Levis end up in the top ten? Chase? I'm going to sell that. I I mean, kudos to any NFL franchise that wants to take a chance on Will Levis. I I don't think he's the answer, but, yeah, I I would sell that. Jordan? I'm gonna buy that this happens, but I don't necessarily agree with it. And while we're while we're on the subject, I hope that the Colts take Will Levis or Bryce Young. I hope they do not take CJ Stroud. You want us to take Bryce Young, the Heisman winner? I don't want him I don't want you to take him, but if I had to pick between those three, I would want you to take Will Levis as a Titans fan, and then Bryce Young will be second. CJ Stroud. I, I think CJ Stroud's gonna have a better career. Okay. Yeah, I mean I could see that. I I'm Rice, going be, to, Rice is going to be a good player. I'm just putting him behind Will Levis for the for the Colts to draft in this case. I'm going to buy because I I think some gen, general manager or front office out there is going to be stupid enough to to invest in Will Levis for better or for worse. I think they will mortgage. I mean, I, I think somebody will do it. <laughs> Please be Tennessee. <laughs> um, I, I think somebody will do it, and I don't agree with it. I think somebody will will invest that kind of capital in. There's no way the Titans draft a quarterback, man. I hate to hurt your feelings, but it's not going to happen. You don't think they move on from uh, Malik Willis or Ryan Tannehill? They have three quarterbacks right now. They can't draft one. <laughs> they're wanting to keep. They're talking about Malik Willis. They can't move on from Malik yet either. So I mean, they're they're stuck. I don't I don't see I don't see there being any way. And I wouldn't be surprised if they carry three quarterbacks next year. We'll see. That's been the talk. Final one for the NFL. Of the open NFL jobs right now, which are Houston, Denver, Indianapolis, Arizona, and Carolina, Denver will have the fastest turnaround with the new head coach. I mean, I'll buy that. I mean, those none of those jobs really sound too appealing. But, um, you know, you still have some offensive weapons 
Russell Wilson, who knows if he's still got, you know, a little bit of prom left, so I'll buy it. <clears throat> Jordan? I think we're going to find out a lot about whether or not it was Russ, whether or not it was Hackett, whether or not it was a combination. Um, who were those teams again? You got Denver. So it's Denver, Houston, Indianapolis, Arizona, and Carolina. I mean, yeah, out of that, out of those teams, I guess you'd have to go with Denver. I mean, I, I guess I <laughs> think they got the yeah. the most pieces, but <clears throat> I, I'm a I'm a Russell Wilson fan. But guys, I just I, I'm scared that I'm I'm really scared to say that I I think it, I think it might be Russell Wilson. I think he may be on the the back end of uh, what he's been able to do. I think Pete Carroll helped him that helped him out a lot in Seattle. So if it's not Denver in your book, Jordan, who would be who would be the fastest turnaround candidate? Looking at he really wants you to say the Colts, Jordan. He really wants you. To say the <laughs> no, I know it's not us. It is not us. Uh, Arizona, I guess, because yeah. you got DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray. Yeah, you got pieces there too. If Kyler Murray can can get going, and I don't think Carolina's awful. I know that sounds weird, but I, yeah. I don't think Carolina's awful. I think they got some pieces as well. I'll buy on Denver because, again, you've got the most important piece, at least. Well, he's on your books for the next however many years and with a huge bag. And I, I lean more on the Hackett side, but like Jordan said, we're, we're going to find out for sure next year. Uh, I mean, if, if Russ comes out and is awful next year, but even if it's even if Russ is still not what he was, I mean, that, that defense is still really good. And like you guys said, there's pieces all around. So I, I, I would say they're the one that can have the fastest turnaround. Let's go to college football. Ryan Day will be fired at Ohio State at the end of next year if he loses to Michigan for the third straight year. I'm going to sell that. I, I think he's done too good of a job. I know they, they never want to lose to Michigan. But, man, I, I see them back in the playoff next year, the way they look. I know their stroud's on to the next level, but, man, they they are too good of a program and too many pieces. and They never lose, so. I don't think this one loss will cost him his job. Jordan, it gets it gets interesting if it's three in a row, three in a row. But I don't know if we can live in a world where Michigan beats Ohio State three times in a row. I, I don't know that that's even possible. Uh, but then again, I said I didn't think there was a shot they'd beat them two years in a row. So here, here we are talking about that. Um, if this happens, that's what you're asking. If Ryan Day does lose to Michigan again. Would he be fired? I would probably, uh, I'd probably say no, just because I think he could still have an opportunity to, to make it to the playoffs, just like they did last this year. That game's, that game's at Ohio State next year, right? No, it's in. Uh, it was in Columbus this past oh, yeah, that's, year, that's Ann Arbor true. this year. Yeah, true. true. So, I mean, that's where maybe Michigan, maybe Michigan's the one that takes a step back. Yeah, so, they run the last couple of years. I'll sell. I mean, because again. Uh, Ryan Day's one too big there. I mean, look, you get they gave Jim Harbaugh what six tries at Michigan. You gotta have some patience. I mean, you got I mean, you gotta let it play out. Georgia three peats in twenty twenty three. Buy or sell? I don't want to believe it. I'll take the field next year, so I will sell. A lot better odds when you take everybody else, John. So yes. I, I'll, I'll take I'll take the field as well, even though I. Goodness gracious! So there, there's a good chance it happens, man. There's yeah. a good chance it happens, but I, I will take I will take the field. What are you saying, Chase? I said they're definitely the favorites, so no oh, doubt. They'll about be the favorites it. next year, no doubt about it. And I think they will be the favorite until someone can beat them. But I'll take the field as well. But I think 
the odds are they lose in the college football playoff before they lose to anyone in the regular season. I, I just I think it's going to take that caliber of a team to be able to beat them. And finally, not easy, not easy no, to win. If you, if you if you removed Alabama and Ohio State from that conversation, would you still take the field? I'm going to say no. I definitely wouldn't, no. I wouldn't either. Yeah, it's Alabama, Ohio State, or, or Georgia next year. I would like to believe it's Tennessee. But yeah, I'm, yeah I, just, I, I don't think I would take the field if I removed Alabama or Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. All right, final one. Stetson Bennett, after being a Heisman finalist and a two-time national champion, will be drafted in April. Maybe in the sixth or seventh round, maybe a team will just take a chance on him, you know, let him let him come to the locker room, be a – I mean, he does have a winning pedigree. I know he played at Georgia, but, I mean, I, I don't think he's capable of playing anywhere near the same level as some of these other guys, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, anything like that. But we'll, we'll see how he does if he, you know, picks up a clipboard in the NFL. So I'll buy it. Jordan. I will also buy this. I, I do think that he gets drafted um, before before the playoff run last year. I'd say even before this season, I would have said no. Um, but I think he's done enough to to get an opportunity, and I think it'll be like Chase said. I think it's going to be – I'm not even going to say six. I think it's in the seventh round, maybe early seventh round, by the Indianapolis Colts, who also will take Will Levis. They're going to take two quarterbacks. They're going to take Will Levis – and they're going to take Stetson, the mailman, Bennett, in this year's draft. Oh, man. I will buy as well. It'll be a day three pick. Y'all probably don't even pick. Y'all are so bad, y'all probably don't even have picks in the seventh round. Y'all probably only pick in the first and second round. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I haven't looked at all of our draft picks this year. But, yes, I think Stetson will be a late-round pick. Um, and we'll see. I, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know how late, but somebody will take a flyer on him as well. He's older than – he's older than – I mean – I look. I saw this the other day. Patrick Mahomes is the oldest quarterback in the AFC playoffs. He's twenty-seven. Stetson's twenty-four. So if that didn't put things into perspective, I know he's older than Lamar. I'm sure he's older, older than Herbert and Joe Burrow. No, Joe Burrow's pretty. He's he's probably 24. Yeah. But um, but yeah. So he's he's gonna have the age, and he's played a lot of football. So I think he's got a good yeah, chance to, to be on the team for sure. That's going to do it for our show today, our first show in 2023. Jordan and I are on the air again tonight on Froggy 99.3 Radio in WTN.com, Union City at Milan. You can tune in to live coverage of that on Froggy 99.3 on your radio dial or on our Facebook, YouTube, and website live streams. So be sure to tune in for that. For myself, John Thornton, for Jordan Taylor, for Chase Prescott, good afternoon and God bless. Thanks for listening here on the Tri-State Sports Program, presented by Jerry Auto Flex and the Hawks Nest.